What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Forge. I'm OK Davis here with you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you enjoyed your Halloween. If you celebrate Halloween Sunday, I was partially involved. I decided I would be the one to stay at home and hand out candy. That way I could watch the Saints Bucks game. Keeping up with some football, you know? But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. We're going to talk today about the World Series, the Houston Astros staving off uh, elimination and crowning the Atlanta Braves as the World Series champs. Not to be on Sunday night. National Basketball Association. I found uh, Nets owner Joe Sy's comments about Kyrie Irving. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I'll get into that. And the NFL, some devastating injuries. That unfortunately doesn't mean doom for the teams. Or in some cases as at least we saw in certain games on Sunday. It's kind of a good thing, maybe. Or, or rather, the teams uh, weathered the storm, if you will. Um, they dealt with the adversity and were able to overcome it. And we'll see what that means for week nine. But first, I want to start the show talking about what is really becoming uh, even more in the spotlight is the mental health of players. And the reports came out that Calvin Ridley, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, who actually is on my fantasy team, one of them, um, is stepping away from football to focus on his mental health. Uh, the Washington Wizards forward, Rui Hachimura, who back in September it was reported by Sham Chariana of The Athletic, was the first report saying that he would miss training camp. And now Rui is still not with the team. That he, even if he is in the D.C. area, he's not at the practice facility with the rest of the team. And this is really, you know, when you think about Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, Lane Johnson had to step away. He plays for the Eagles. He was dealing with depression and anxiety. And for me, thinking about it, I find that it is very important um, as we try to find a good place for because obviously it's not just athletes that are dealing with, you know, uh, their mental health and well-being. As Calvin Ridley put on Twitter, 
Uh, these past weeks have been very challenging, and as much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football at this time and focus on my mental well-being. This will help me be the best version of myself now and in the future. I want to thank my teammates, the entire Atlanta Falcons organization, our great fans, my friends and family, for all their support during this time. The... Head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, said Calvin's dealing with something personal and it's going to remain personal in my end. Calvin's statement speaks for him. And so when he got here today, we talked and put him inactive. And, you know, other players are, um, you know, especially on the Falcons are coming out in support of Calvin Ridley. Players are coming out in support of Rui Hachimura. The world is coming out in support of, you know, athletes, you know, worrying about their mental health. The thing for me is that sports being on such a larger platform, do you think it would help to hear more about what the player is going through? Not because you want to be nosy and you want to just like have the gossip. No, 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 no. We all are dealing with something, you know, with our mental health. And to be able to share your experiences, tell people what you are going through can benefit the ripple effects of it. Of knowing that other people are going through, as Lane Johnson talked about, you know, having depression and anxiety. I don't know that that's what Rui is going through. We don't know that what Calvin Ridley is going through. We know some some of what Naomi Osaka has been open, Simone Biles. But I think the more that we can open up the conversation and talk about what you, what they are going through. I mean, Lane Johnson said he was quote living in hell end quote. I think it's very important to get it out. And I understand it needs to be private. Maybe you want to talk to a therapist, psychologist. But at some point, because you are in that spotlight, that to let people know what you went through, to share either how you overcame it or are still going through it. I mean, when Simone Biles said, I probably shouldn't even been in the Olympics, period. That she shouldn't even have been over there, but she was trying to go through it. I wonder if it would be more beneficial for the player to put it out there. To say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Maybe you find more support then maybe the players even realize by being open about it. I know on Twitter, social media, et cetera, maybe some friends and colleagues, former play or uh, teammates, not former, but current teammates, maybe former too. Some, you know, alumni of the team will reach out and show support. I think coming from a positive place mentally is good you know I mean players talking about I need to step away from social media because you know I can't deal with the the way that the the fans are 
you know, saying negative things about either the person or the team. I like to say fans have keyboard courage. I got that from one uh, Mike Wise, I think, was the first person I heard saying it. So I kind of, you know, I like to keep that going. I like what he said, talking about how anyone can just throw something out there on social media, just, you know, ripping a player or a team. And I can even fall into that category. You know, as we talk about later on about Kyrie Irving and taking the vaccine, that also is a part of his mental health. We're all human. We're all going through things. And I hope that these players, as we are talking about sports, can get the help that they need. Not just to get back on the field, but to leave, not leave it behind them isn't the right word, but be able to move forward in their regular life. Not just on the court or the field or the ice, diamond, whatever it is. But for them to be a better person, for them to be happy about themselves. I go through it too. Every day I go through it. And that shifts a little bit to Kyrie Irving as we talk about the Nets owner uh, talked with Nets Daily about his conversations with Irving. And he said, quote, I have all the patience. He's on the team, right? He's just not on the court. He's still a part of our team as the Nets sit at three and three. He also went on to say, I don't want to impose my views. What I respected was the choice he made after investigating all the pros and cons and the facts. People are entitled to their own opinion and choice. So that's something I respect. But you know, do I understand why he's not doing it? Not really, end quote. And I think part of that, part of that is because Kyrie's kind of all over the place with his definitions, his reasons for why he doesn't want to take the vaccine. It is kind of all over the place. But I also think to a point with many things that you can think about in your life, in my life, we're kind of on the fence. It's just simply not easy sometimes to make a decision. And this may be the hardest decision for people to make, to get vaccinated or not. That is really at the heart of some of the biggest arguments, debates, conversation, trepidation. A lot about mental health. A lot about mental health. And mentally, whatever decision Kyrie makes about whether he can get the vaccine or not. You know, I didn't even mention, forgot him thinking about the fact that Ben Simmons also said he's not playing because he's dealing, you know, mentally, he's just not prepared to play. So he's dealing with some things. And as I've brought up multiple times, I just feel looking at it it's just so obvious 
Just make the trade. Kyrie for Ben Simmons. Call it an even swap. And move on. Maybe Kyrie will feel like, okay, I get to play. So I'm good there. And Ben Simmons mentally will be in a better place playing for the New 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 Jersey, for the Brooklyn Nets. And also, I do think it means less of a mental issue for him to have to worry about shooting. He doesn't have to shoot as much. I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, it's, it's the obvious thing. If he does that, you know, the, the weight will be off of his shoulder, so to speak. The weight will be off of his shoulders. Speaking of a weight off your shoulders, the Houston Astros were on the brink of elimination. And not just in terms of being down one games to three, but also because I mean, when I finally turned on the game and it showed that Adam Duvall hit a first inning grand slam for the Braves. And then another solo home run for Freddie Freeman in the third. Part of me was like, oh man, Houston's done. I was rooting for Dusty Baker, but it was not to be. I was I was right there. I was right there. And yet the Astros kept fighting. Dusty Baker said, these guys are together. They've been through many of these battles. They don't know how to quit. And they're always looking for an edge or an opening. Fortunately, tonight, we took advantage of some. And they go on to win 9-5. to five. Force a game six, if you will. Now the question is, can they force a game seven? Carlos Correa pointed out last year they were down 3-0 to the Rays in the ALCS, and they forced a Game 7 then. He said, why can't we do it again? At least get to Game 7. Houston touched up uh, A.J. Minter, who was having a really good World Series. And that was the beginning of opening the floodgates for the Astros to get the win. And now the game shifts back to Houston. The game shifts back to Houston. And Houston is favored at minus one and a half in terms of the run line, but not favored in terms of the game. The Braves are at minus 180. The Astros are at plus 155. Over under on total runs at nine. But then the money line is plus 105 for the Braves, minus 125 for the Astros. So it's kind of a little bit back and forth there. Which one are you taking? Taking the Astros run line at plus 155 with them favored at minus one and a half runs remains to be seen for me. I got to think about that one. Pitching wise, it's Max Freed versus Luis Garcia. Is the pressure on the Braves more? Max Freed's on full rest, but he hasn't pitched that well. He's one and two at the 5.40 ERA. 
He gave up six earned runs over five innings in game two against the Astros in the World Series. He didn't do well in the NLCS either, but the Braves still weathered that storm. But on the flip side, the rookie, Luis Garcia, is 1-2 with a 7.62 ERA. And he's pitching on three days rest. I imagine that for both teams, they will go to the bullpen early. And I think if they go to the bullpen early, I think it favors the Astros. Who have a 1.75 ERA in 25 and two-thirds innings. That's really good. I mean, realistically, at this point, everybody's available. Starters, closers. I'm sure every batter, is, I mean, I don't want to say every batter is somewhat available, but, you know, this is, this is it. 8 o'clock tomorrow night on Fox. Braves win, they win the World Series. Astros win, they force a Game 7. Now the DH will be in place. So that also helps both teams get that extra bat. The Astros can add Jordan Alvarez at the DH. Now they can improve their defense. Putting Chaz McCormick in, at center field. But that also will help the Braves too. Jorge Soler will move down to the middle of the order and be the DH. Jock Peterson can go to right field. I'm really looking forward to it, as I'm sure you are if you're into baseball, at least when the World Series comes, right? The Astros are trying to become the 15th team in Major League Baseball history to rally from a 3-1 deficit to win the uh, best of seven series. In the past, only about half the teams won. And about half of those teams won game five, excuse me, game six to force a game seven. Who do I have to win it all? Still going with the Astros. Want Dusty Baker to get that ring. My former uh, co-worker, actually hired him when he was an intern. Matt Blum now works for the Astros. Shout out to my guy, Matt. I'm rooting for the Astros. I know that seems like weird for me, right? As much as I blast them about cheating. Well, because the bottom line is the Astros should not have that World Series title. It should have been stripped from them. And they should be going for a brand new World Series title with adequate punishment for cheating. Now, the Braves have won a title since 1995, so I'm sure there's excitement there. It's been a while. But I think many fans would feel differently about the Astros if that World Series title was stripped from them, and it wasn't. I think Rob Manfred made a mistake there, giving the players immunity. I mean, come on, you didn't need immunity. You heard the trash bang. Come on. With all of the banging of the trash cans, how could you not know what was going on? Whatever junk they were feeding you, to make you feel like, oh no, we got to make this official? No. But he just couldn't punish him. But I'm still rooting for the Astros. Blood's thicker than water. I don't know. Something I do know is the Tennessee Titans are done. Done. If Derrick Henry's out for the season, then so are the Tennessee Titans. Now, I actually thought they were done in my bets as well. 
if tonight goes as I pick them and the Chiefs beat the Giants, I'll go 10-5 and five in my 15-team parlay. But one of the games I have was the Colts beating the Titans. Colts were at home. I thought they were going to be good after that rain-soaked win in San Francisco. Maybe they were tired coming back home. I lost games that I thought for sure were gimmies, which is crazy. Bengals at the Jets. That should have been a win. That was a loss. Falcons at home versus the Panthers. Okay, maybe not. That wasn't a gimme, but I thought the Falcons would win it at home. thought the Chargers would beat the Patriots at home. That didn't happen. And I thought the Bucks would beat the Saints. What happened in that game? I mean, especially if we, we said going into that game, can the Saints beat the Bucks with Jameis Winston at quarterback? Or just let's just say Bucks Saints. You would have said, no, nah, Bucks winning that one. Then you said, okay, can they win with Jameis Winston getting hurt in the game and then Trevor Simeon being in that quarterback who hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since 2017? You definitely would have said, uh, no, that's not going to happen. And yet it did. Who knew? Tom Brady throwing an interception inside of two minutes. You know, all the stats were like, oh, he's had 50 comebacks, four-quarter comebacks in his career. I mean, really, it wasn't just that one interception. The play, the play before that could have been an interception too. So Brady just wasn't on it. And that really surprised me. So two players that were very integral to the team's success. Tennessee Titans lose Derrick Henry for the season, although it's not official, but I imagine it'll be official very soon. And Jameis Winston done for the season. That's again, not official, but it probably will be very soon. But the question for me with regards to the Saints, you're only a half a game behind the Bucks. Do you sign Cam Newton? I say no. I say no. I say Taysom Hill wasn't available yesterday, but he should be back to 100% by next week. I say you go with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill. Two players that at least in Taysom Hill. No Sean Payton's offense. They've been there for a while. There's no need to change now. I just don't think it's worth it. To try to get Cam Newton up to speed with the offense, it wasn't like he was lighting it up in New England when he was there, and even if he was, then he would still be in New England. So I don't like it. And what about Cooper Rush? Where did Cooper Rush come from? Leading the Cowboys to a win over my guy. Ugh, I'm joking, being facetious. But with the Minnesota Vikings, you know I don't really like Kirk Cousins. Not a fan. How you like that, Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins? Cooper Rush came out of nowhere. And get the win with Dak Prescott on the sideline with a calf injury. An interesting stat on NFL research. Cooper Rush to Amari Cooper TD is the first in NFL history where the passer's first name and receiver's last name are an exact match. Just a bizarre thing I saw, but neat. I like those kind of weird stats. 
Before the game, Cooper Rush only had three career passing attempts. Now no one's going to forget this game. And no one will forget it for the Vikings either, not just the Cowboys. This is a game you should have won. You were at home. How you like that? I actually like it. I have to admit, I was rooting for the Cowboys. I always root for the Cowboys against Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins turned his nose up at the Washington football team. Of course, I'm sure some people of Kirk Cousins fans will say it was the opposite. Kirk Cousins now 2-8 and eight versus Dallas. This was a funny tweet by Skip Bayless. He's so overrated that he got outplayed at home tonight by Cooper Rush after losing at home last year to Andy Dalton. Kirk Cousins, you like that? I love it. I do love it. One of the few times I like something that Skip Bayless tweeted out. Tom Brady has more touchdown passes in his 40s than he does in his 20s. He's just so good. But let's shift to Monday night. The last game of the season. It should be, in my mind, an easy one. Easy game to pick. Kansas City Chiefs. Can they possibly lose at home to the New York Giants? Uh, I doubt it. But then you probably never said that the Bucs would lose to the Saints. Well, maybe not. That's going maybe too far-fetched. You definitely didn't say that the Bengals were going to lose to the Jets. You never thought the Bengals would lose to the Jets. How about that? Kansas City has never lost three straight home games with Patrick Mahomes under center. I don't see it happening now. I don't see it happening now. No, the Chiefs' defense is not good. And so to that end, I don't think that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. But I also feel like, are we overrating the Chiefs? I mean, they are 3-4 and four on the season. We're still acting as if they are the Super Bowl champs. They are a bad team right now. They were giving them too much hype because of Patrick Mahomes? Maybe. There's a good chance that we are. But the reality is that the Chiefs are favored at minus 10.5, over under at 52. Money line minus 550 for the Chiefs and plus 400 for the Giants. I'll take the Chiefs at minus 10.5. I think they win this game by two touchdowns. If nothing else, it's because I don't think that the Giants offense, even if the defense is porous for the Chiefs, it's not like the Giants have a good offense and they just lost some close games. Their offense is ranked 24th. They are bad. The Chiefs' defense is ranked 23rd, but the offense for the Chiefs is ranked 7th. Boy, can they pass the ball. And I think at 10 and a half, I'll take the Chiefs at minus 10 and a half to win that game. I'll take that bet. And I'll end the show on that as well. I'm going to enjoy some Monday Night Football. Look forward to the World Series tomorrow. And watching some NBA basketball. What's with the NBA? You got the Knicks and Wizards at the top of the Eastern Conference with the Bulls? Jazz Golden State Warriors in Western Conference. I get that. But I never thought the Wizards and Bulls would be at the top of the Eastern Conference. Happy for them both. They'll be 
enjoying some basketball too. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Ciao for now.